The following is a CA original. Really plays with our football team. Gets to the outside, gets inside the five. He gallops into the end zone. Touchdown, Tigers. Really capitalized on a lot of opportunities throughout the game, having four takeaways. Picked off at the 30. Down the right sideline to the 20, to the 10. It's a pick six. Challenge them about coming out and playing a complete game. And he's got it for a touchdown, and it's 41-3. to That's his first rushing touchdown. This is the Tiger Football Podcast with Tom Shen. All right, what's up, y'all? We are back. It is the week before game week, I guess technically a little a little bit more than a week until the opener here against Louisiana Monroe. Woo-hoo! Jeff is... <laughs> quite excited about that i can't be i'm so ready for this it, it is like it is this is the part of camp and we've been asking players like after practice like so are y'all ready to start hitting somebody else and they're like oh my god yes and it's kind of the same way for us which like is i mean it's just think back to like spring like we've been writing and like speculating and everything about this team since yes. spring and they have not played anybody since western kentucky also i do a radio show today we were debating the uh, the uh, moon pies whether you like or dislike moon pies you're you very anti-moon pie right i'm, I'm staunchly anti-moon pie i'm anti uh and i'm anti hush puppy whoa I, I don't hate hush puppies whoa i just don't think they're worth it they, they're they're little bits of fried nothing whoa, and, whoa, whoa like give me a crab cake where the, where something's inside there that's worth that's delicious but i'm i get more pushback honestly you don't get a lot of pushback on the moon pie most people ultimately concede that if you set aside the sentiment that they're not that good. Now, some people will say you microwave them and they become better. That just means they're crusty and stale. And that if you microwave them, like it melt, they melt a little bit. And I actually can believe that, that they would be better. I might try that. Uh, I get much more pushback on the hush puppy. But even there, some people concede. Harrington was on with me and he said at their best, like if they're done, if they're crispy and hot and perfect, they're pretty good. That's his view of uh, of uh, and he's a true southerner. Like I understand, I'm not. Maybe people want to run me out of the south now. Yeah. I, I can see the moon pie thing because there are a lot of in that like snack cake variety. There are like any number of options that right. could go. But hush pup, I mean, really? come on, man. You're from Colorado. Why do you care about hush puppies? I just always love hush. What's not even to love about hush puppy? You like the hush puppy? Yeah. Colorado? What's not to love about they hush puppy? They even have them in Colorado. I thought they had Rocky Mountain oysters in Colorado. Well, they have those too. But do they're they? Not, have they're, you eaten an Rocky Mountain? I have never had a Rocky Mountain oyster, have you but seen they are it on there. The menu? They are there. Yeah. yeah. Oh like, yeah. As a as a gimmick, or is are they really there because people eat them? I think I think some people actually eat them. I have huh. I have never eaten one. But hush puppy, like I don't know how you could be <laughs> anti. What's what's because it's just like it's like you're frying something and and instead of the thing it's just the extra fried crap that comes out. It's like it's like you're eating an onion ring and there's too much bread and so you just get bread but without like the fr- onion. What's the point of that? It's that, like fried, that dough, fried, fried dough is better. That actually. fried breading is delicious. No, it's really not. It's not that good. It's not it's, good it's, for it's, you. No, no, no. I know it's not good for you, but it's not but even it's, that delicious. There's no center. There's no gooey center. That's just fried. See what we're. This is my point. Though football is only, is only, uh, is only uh, just uh, nine days away. Yeah, nine days away. So there you go. So we can that? stop talking about hush puppies and start talking so about. So we can talk about the Louisiana honestly, Monroe the first Warhawks. Game is fun because you know you're going to smash them. They should. They should. Um, and so, like, there's not even tension. It's just the celebration of having them back and having the scene back and everything else without having the any of the tension, which you'll get to the next week, um, about whether they might lose. 
Meanwhile, there's a lot going on, and we'll start speaking here. Speaking of Before Colorado. We, yes, speaking mm-hmm. of Colorado, and we'll get to, we're going to do a thing today where we fill in the blank and kind of just, as we continue to kind of look ahead at the season, yep. we'll, we'll fill in a bunch of blanks. But first, the big news yesterday with Paxton, you said speaking of Colorado, um, obviously Paxton Lynch officially has lost the quarterback competition um, right. in Denver. Trevor Simeon, a seventh-round pick from Northwestern um, for the second straight Go year. Cats beating him out for the starting job. One of the questions I got on Twitter, and we've talked about this on the podcast in the past, but somebody said, is Paxton a bust? I think that's premature, but it certainly isn't good news. What What is your take on I'm what this means? Before. I think the odds of him being an effective NFL quarterback at this point, the odds are against him, right? In other words, the odds are always against anyone, honestly, when they're drafted. It's a hard position. Most don't make it, even in the first round. Uh, the 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 numbers are dramatic against whether you make it. And now that he's had a year of they're trying to hand him the job, the odds are longer that he will make it. Um, he lo- weirdly enough, he looks tentative. He just doesn't at all look like the he was sort of a gunslinger at the. Just think of the throws he made against Ole Miss yep. and the confidence that went into a lot of those throws and. And he was a gunslinger at the end. And even the truth of the matter is, even his first year, first year as a starter, when he struggled, it wasn't that he was tentative. He threw some bad picks. He had drops. He like things didn't work out. But it wasn't like, oh, I don't know where to throw this. Or he didn't feel like he was always thrown to the wrong guy, which is what you sort of get now. He's tentative or thrown to the wrong guy or whatever. So the odds are, I think the odds are he probably won't be ever be an effective starter. Now that could change. Simeon could get hurt. Game three, he could come in, bang, win the job, like get the job and and be looser because he's not competing and and take off. I think the odds are against it. What I would say though is this: if he is doesn't make it as an effective starter, he's not close to like like he, uh, spending a late first round draft pick, which is what he was basically on a quarterback. Doesn't make you make of a much of a bust if you don't make it. Hell, EJ Manuel was is by that standard more of a bust. Cade McNown is more of a bust. Brady Quinn, I don't know, he won't, he probably won't bite one back one is more of a bust. Jake Locker was more of a bust. Tim Couch, uh, Blaine, if you go way back, Blaine or... Gabbard was more of a bust. Sure. Uh, uh, on and on and on. Most first rounders don't make it. He would just be the latest. And so I guess Jake Locker is a bust. I guess EJ Manuel is a bust. I guess all those guys are busts. But what they really uh, Certainly, Blake Bortles is like the, that's a top five pick, and so not much of a bust, really. Like even if he doesn't make it as a late first, that's not that much of a you. I I still think you roll the dice on a quarterback like Paxton in the late first, even if he doesn't work out. And I think the odds are now he probably won't work out, but it doesn't mean he he might. And as you point of you said before, Justin Fuente always said he will need a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I tend to think. You look at, if you aren't showing flashes, you look at Mitchell Trubisky right now, you look at Patrick Mahomes right now, they're showing flashes. Mitchell Trubisky, who played much less, many fewer games in college than than Paxton did, is already showing more in pro football than Paxton has. Do you think that Paxton would benefit, and this is crazy that we're talking about because his second NFL season hasn't even started, would he benefit from being somewhere else? Do you think that this is a Denver thing? Do you think that if somebody was saying, what if they traded him to Jacksonville? I think it was Paul Klee in the in the Gazette said, Denver should just ship him to Jacksonville. They have no quarterback. Right. He's from there. Send him there. They'll be happy to have a late first round guy. Do you think that that would benefit Paxton at this point? Or do you think this is just probably. something that... I think it would probably, but I don't think really it is. I, 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 
probably, but I, I, I really think he's just got to figure out who to throw the ball to, like what, no matter where he is, you know, no matter whether he's playing at Jacksonville or anywhere else. I think he needs to just figure out where, like that is the essence of quarterbacking in the NFL. There's two things: knowing who to throw it to in a given play, and then being able to throw it there accurately. And I think. I have confidence Paxton can do the second if he could do the first. And I think he's having a hard time with the first. And whether it's because he didn't read enough defenses or whether, in fact, instinctively he wasn't good at He's not good at that. Some people just, like I always, well, E.J. Manuel, who I, because I watched, I just don't think he'll ever do it. Like people used to say, oh, he sees half the field. And that's just another way of saying he doesn't know who the, it's a point guard. It's like the difference between a point guard who sees everybody and a point guard who just sees the rim. And um, so maybe he just doesn't see everybody, but it is weird because he was so good at Memphis. And I thought, I thought he usually was making the right throw at Memphis and it wasn't always a first read at Memphis, but a lot of times I guess it was. Well, yeah, here's the thing about at Memphis, kind of the system, the more that I've heard kind of after the fact about that system is that a lot of times he wasn't asked to read the whole field. It was more like he would just have a couple of guys. You know, he would basically have to read like one player. Right. And then if this guy reacted this way, it would throw to one yeah. guy. And if it was Otherwise this way, he would react that. to another guy. I, I don't think that he was going through the same kind of reads that he has to go through now where he is reading the entire field and he has to scan from one spot to another. And there are a bunch of different things that may or may not be happening. So um, I think that it is a little bit different in that sense. And I think that honestly, I I think it's a little bit early to kind of – write him off at this point because he still has not been in one offense for more than a year and that is the thing that with the coaching change from QB to here's the who name a quarterback who who like doesn't make it originally with his original team or doesn't look like they're making it or struggles who then turns into being being awesome like I don't like they, they don't typically like like Blaine Gabbert who had his drafted by Jacksonville and he's never he's still in the league but he's never really EJ Manuel now is whatever if Blake Bortles bounces around if like I don't know who that guy is who didn't make it in the first couple of years with his first team and then subsequently made it somewhere else I can't think of that person once upon a time long time ago Jim Plunkett was that person uh but even Jim Plunkett um he may have been rookie of the year with New England and then he was beat up or whatever and then he got a new lease on life when he went to to, to Oakland, but I don't think there are many. Rich Gannon became much better as he went along. Um, he sort of is the, like he had some tremendous years later. In his, but basically, if it's a weird thing, if you don't make it with that team, like Brady Quinn didn't, he didn't make it with the Browns, and then he went and bounced around. He never made it somewhere else. You don't see it. It doesn't seem like the light comes on for people three years in. I don't. I can't think of any examples of it. So maybe he's the exception. But can you can you think of a single example of that situation? No, I think the only way that that would happen is if you would have, and I, I think this might be something at play with Paxson is just having somebody who really believes that he is the guy, and somebody that we're bring that would were to bring him in and say you are the guy day one because that is the one thing here is that like his his biggest you know supporters like Kubiak apparently was not crazy about him he's kind of like Elway's right. guy but the but the coaching staff has always just kind of been like 
you're going to be in a straight up competition with with Simeon. If somebody were to bring him in and say, "You are the guy. What are you comfortable doing? Here's what we're going to do on offense. We're going to tailor right. it around you." Now, is that going to happen for somebody who hasn't proven anything That's, and I shown anything? I think he's I always going to so. have to win the job. Yeah. I, you're not going to have yeah. But um, so I, I'm not ruling it out because it is just. I mean, I've, I heard Ian Rappaport talking about this at the NFL Network, that people knew when he come, came out that it would be a year or two. And so why after a year are we calling him a bust? Like that that was his point. Sure. And I take that point. But I, if I were Elway, I would want to have seen more uh, from my from my guy than I've seen. I, I just would. And, and obviously, I think you said that you mentioned a big if if he's able to see the field this year. Because like, Trevor Simeon is the starter, but by no means is he the you know, entrenched guy where if he went down with an injury and Paxson came in and showed something. No, no, no. If Paxson was good, they'd stick with Paxson. They would stick. Like, they are looking, I think, still for reasons to make Well, even in the, the quotes, as they gave the job to Trevor Simeon, they said, you look at how big, strong, fast his big arm, you you want that, you want, you want to root for that. You want that to come together. And I think they do still. Right. But this sets up a pivotal year next year. Um, like, entering his third year, that like I don't even know they I would not be surprised if they brought in somebody else like depending on the year that Simeon has if they brought in somebody else to compete for that but if he doesn't like win the job next year I think I think you're right I think that could be that could be trouble because he's only on a four year deal and so they right. need to they need to know what they have in him um, entering next year but anyways not good um, so that was the big news uh, of this week we will shift now to fill in the blanks we did this last year at some point. Um, Camp has still been camping, so we're gonna we're gonna try to preview the season in a little bit different way. We have ten questions. Um, we kind of jotted down before the season that we're gonna answer, fill in the blank, just to kind of preview the year. The first one: the defense will be blank in twenty seventeen. I was tempted to go better because I think it will be better, but I think I will go with the defense will be disappointing in twenty seventeen. How so? I just don't think they're going to... I don't think they have what they need up front. And so I think it will be the Achilles heel to the extent that, that they're... If they if this team doesn't succeed, it will be because they don't have what they need up front. And, and you had the story today... You had a story recently on the offensive line where... Norvell was even talking about this and he was not, he was just saying in the end, we got to be better on both sides of the ball. And you can find all kinds of reasons why they can be better on the, on the offensive line. It's harder to find them on the defensive line. And so I think, I think early on, I think the secondary will be better ultimately better, better, better than it was last year. I think the linebackers, I got no, no concerns about whatsoever. Um, the secondary has some things to iron out, and there'll be some busts early and whatever, but by the end of the year, I think they'll be better. I think they're just going to be pushed around up front. That's my fear. That's my fear, and that's why I would say disappointing. I should mention that I did talk to Paul Randolph today, the defensive line coach. He also, like Ryan Silverfield, thinks that the unit's getting better, and he's a lot happier with the depth this year and, right. and many of when the same sentiments. When he talks about it, who, you talk, who does he talk about um, he he mentioned a couple of guys. I mean, he just mentioned Ernest Suttles and, and Christian Johnson, Jared Gentry coming back. And, See, and, is Ernest Suttles going to be any different? I, I love Ernest Suttles. One of my favorite stories that I wrote last year. What a, what a wonderful dude! Wonderful. Is he going to be a different player than he was last year? How? 
I don't. I don't think it's hard when you've when you. I mean, he's, he is what he is. Like he's a good player, but he's what he is. Christian Johnson, I could. I, I mean, I could. Whatever, maybe. I, I, I mean, I think it's going to be like Jared, Jared Gentry is a guy that has all the potential in the world and has has did some good things last year, but this is his opportunity to take a big step forward. Right. And they got a, a true freshman, O'Brien Goodson, who the more I I watch him, the more I like him, and he's he's kind of compact. Um, in his build, but he's a really explosive guy. And then Jonathan Wilson is another a, a sophomore who's well. He's got to be good. Year. Like he he and stepped in at the late last year, steps in immediately has an impact, which tells you all you know about where they, where they were last year, by the way. But honestly, to me, I have maybe more hope for like the step that he could take between year one and year two could be a difference maker. Right. I will say the defense will be faster. Um, I think part of that is going to be just simplifying it, which I I think. <laughs> has and, and will play a role in that there are just fewer calls. Um, defense coordinator Chris Ball said they basically went through, and if they only ran plays like a handful of times, they just cut it out altogether. So there's fewer things. He's that such a to, good dude, by the way. Like, I mean, and I, I do think like he knows what he's doing, and I, I I believe in him, and he's a wonderful guy. So so I, so I think cutting the playbook is part of that, but I think that allows people to play faster, and then I think you just also have – faster physically they're, str- physically. physically they're faster right so i think it's gonna be faster and i think that's gonna allow them to be marginally better i don't think necessarily that they're gonna force as many turnovers as they did a year ago and i think that the defensive line is still gonna be an issue but i think on the whole you're gonna see a marginally better defense and it's gonna be faster um blank will be the team's best defensive player and we might agree on this one Gennard avery will be the team's best defensive player Gennard avery and uh i've got a story that i've been reporting that we're gonna come out with later this week um but I talked with uh, his uh, basically a personal trainer of sorts that he's he's taken some some sessions with um, out in Atlanta. Chuck Smith, who has worked with Von former defenseman with the Falcons, with the Falcons, he's NFL worked with, dude. Yep. Yeah, worked with a bunch of guys, and and Pass he said rusher. he said straight up the Gennard Avery that you saw last year is not like the player you'll see this year. The, the guy that you saw in spring ball, like this this version of Gennard Avery, is going to be a lot better. Um, and I believe him. You know, from yep. what from what we've seen, he's he's becoming more well rounded. So re- agreeing on that. Um, blank will surprise people this year. Blank will surprise people this year. I'll go. I don't know how much of a surprise will it'll be, but Tony Pollard will surprise people this year. Um, I don't think it's that much of a surprise because we've seen him take two to the house, mm-hmm. so people know how fast he is. But I do think um, the injury to same craft has opened up. And I just think I just think he's a monster, and so I'm, and I can't wait to see what he does when he gets more touches. Um, people always say that he and Henderson are the two fastest on the team. He is the best combination of size and speed on the team, um, and so I just think you know. I yes, I'll go. I'll go. Tony Pollard. I'll go two. Kind of cheating a little bit. T.J. Carter. I think a cornerback. I mean, there's a chance the the more I'm kind of expecting him to be good. I don't know that I'm going to be surprised. Are you, you've are written you ex- about him four stars? Everything you've written about him. I mean, he's he's guy. I'm, I'm hyping him too much. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be surprised if he's gonna not all conference. Well, yeah, that was gonna be my. Th- I don't I don't know if he's gonna be all conference, but I think there's a very real possibility he could be the best cornerback on the team. Right. Which, as a true freshman right out you of high school, I mean, there there are only a handful of you know. It's rare to start a true freshman here at that spot. Um. So I think, you know, if, if he evolves and he's the guy that you're putting on Cortland Sutton against SMU and, and stuff like that, I mean, I think that could be right. a bit of a surprise. On the offensive side, I'll go Joey Magnifico. 
who's somebody that we haven't talked about tight a end. ton at tight end and, you know, was kind of serviceable as the number two tight end last year. But he's done a lot of good things and just how they use that position. I mean, I think we saw with, with Daniel Montiel last year, 27, 30 catches or whatever, and he ended up being a first team guy after having that started um, right. before last year. I don't know if, again, I don't know if Magnifico is going to be an all-conference guy necessarily, but I think he's going to surprise people just with how much he can do. Um, Riley Patterson, freshman kicker. His first season at kicker, replacing Jake Elliott, will be blank. A reminder that this isn't easy. <laughs> I'll say that. I'll say a reminder that Memphis has had it good lately. And I don't even mean it. He'll, he'll just miss some, you know, and we have taken it for granted that except for that kick against Houston, like you can't remember many they miss. And so Memphis has been spoiled. And so uh, I think it'll be a reminder that 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 it's not easy. I'm also going to say kind of in a similar rocky early is what I would say. I think just he, he's gotten progressively better over the course of camp. Uh, and I think you're going to see that kind of over the course of the season that maybe some early jitters. Um, but then as he gets a little bit more comfortable just to just the atmosphere, I mean, he, he hasn't kicked in front of a crowd larger than like a thousand or whatever in high school. So just kicking in front of crowds and getting used to that, I think is going to take a little bit of time. As long as he's got to figure it out by game two, we're okay. <laughs> That's, <right. laughs> That's true. Yep. Um, blank will lead the team in rushing yards. Who you got? I'll say Henderson leads the team in rushing yards, although I think it's close with Dorseus and Henderson. I think it'll be, eh, you know, I... Uh, but I'll go Henderson. I think it's going to be Henderson too. Uh, but I think Patrick Taylor mm. has a shot, and and he has kind of been the the guy that comes in in reserve, at least from what we've seen in, in practice. But I mean, just with his size, he's the guy that like if you have a lead in the fourth quarter, he's the guy that right. you want plowing through people, and that you can just run between the tackles. And he's nimble, and he's nimble, and he's he's faster than he gets a lot of credit yeah. for. Um, so I could see it being Taylor. Uh, but I'll go with Henderson just with his penchant for long runs, too. I mean, if you right. give him a crack, he could be 70 of the house. So a couple of attendance questions. Blank, as in a number, will show up for the opener next week. 42. 42. What do you think? I'm saying 43. I think I said, somebody asked me this in a mailbag. And I think I said 43.5, which is marginally more than last year. Last year, the opener was 42 and change. This year, I think it'll be a little bit higher slightly better opponent and just overall more excitement i think that will kind of uh overcome the thursday like it being on a thursday night and all that stuff i think you're just gonna have i actually think thursday night's good i think thursday night is uh, you know i've talked about this with gary Parrish before thursday night you don't have to pick as to whether you want to stay home and watch all the football games or whether you want to watch memphis you know thursday night and people are ready for football it's the first it's whatever else so i I say 42. I could certainly see 43.5. I could see 46. I don't, you know, I kind of crack 50. I don't believe, but, um, but I think in the forties will, and I think that's good. And, and the late kickoff too is, you know, I, I've heard sometimes like 7 PM or something, people are like, Oh, I don't have time to tailgate and get out of work right. or whatever, but you're kicking off at eight, right. a little bit more time to get the Tigerland experience, all that stuff. Um, home attendance for the season will be blank. Well, it'll be up from last year. What was the final last year? Do you remember what the average was last year? I don't remember. The average, it head, will no. be better than last year because you got UCLA and you got Navy. Right. And so those will be better crowds. It will um, It will be ultimately one of the weird things about attendance in Memphis football, which I've never understood, is why they're going to be like 
I remember the Duke game. There was great excitement for the Duke opener. Well, like, there's this great outpouring. And then, but even if you're in the midst of a good season, it tails off at the end, like, it, which is always mystifies me. And so I think, I think it'll be up. I'll say that it'll be improved. It'll be up. It'll be, but I still think we're going to, in the end, be coping with this. Why at the end of the season? Why aren't like, whoa, like, because I do think that's a phenomenon that I irritates me, honestly. And, 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 um, so I think, boy, it, it could be up considerably if, if, if they can beat UCF, you know, you can just um, see the momentum building and they could crush it. Um, if they have the kind of year, the 10 and two year that I said they were going to have, um, but I still I, I worry about the end of the seasons and Memphis fans. I don't I'm not being critical of them. It just seems to be a phenomenon that I notice. And maybe it used to be either that it's colder or that Memphis basketball kicks in, whatever. But that not there's less interest, obviously, in Memphis basketball. That wasn't out of one word. Go ahead. What are your thoughts generally about attendance? I was going to say dependent in large part upon that early part of the schedule, um, because I think there there are games in the middle of the schedule like Navy. You're always going to get a big crowd. UCLA, I think you're going to get a big crowd. No matter what. But there are games like Southern Illinois or whatever. Like, is anybody going to come want to come watch them play Southern they're Illinois? They're only going to want to if if they're crushing it. If they're you know if they're if they're putting together the dream season, right? Or Tulane is another good example where it's like I don't think you're going to have a great draw unless you're undefeated or you're one loss right. and you're right in the thick of it. But from what I've heard, the season ticket numbers are also they've been really good. That bears watching, and that could have a big impact on the crowd. Memphis will have blank all conference players here. We'll say first first team all conference players. So remember that's only one that's one quarterback. I think two receivers, two running backs normally, tight end, offensive line. I mean we can we can just tick I'll them off. I'll say three. It's hard to be first team all conference. It was it was, was Anthony Miller even last year? He wasn't. He was second team. That's the thing. He wasn't last. Second team. He wasn't last year. So it's hard to be first team all conference. Will Riley Ferguson be first team all conference? I, I, Maybe if Miller is Ferguson, like they, sometimes they're going to go together too, mm-hmm. right? And and they don't you don't got Jake this you know you don't have you know the specialist this you don't have, you've got a punter and and Tony Pollard potentially Tony they Pollard potentially first team, yeah returner so much that depends on how the season goes everything else I think it's really hard to 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 say I will say uh, Avery I'll say Anthony Miller will get his just due. But, you know, he's been like, you know, there's no guarantee he had a magical season last year. He's been hurt. Now, I don't you know, it's been we don't really know what's been whatever. There's no guarantee that he's going to have a magical season again. He's awesome. But but if he has a magical season again, he won't get stiffed again, I believe. So so I'll say Anthony Miller and I'll say Riley Ferguson and I'll say I'll say Avery and Spencer Smith, Spencer Smith, one of two years in a row, four. So four. The Tigers can least afford to lose blank. Well, that's Riley Ferguson. We can both agree that it would be Riley. into the position. Like, and plus, honestly, there's not an obvious – like it is oh, – with all due respect, it's a big drop sure. <laughs> right now. That's a doozy. And so uh, – but you can't lose the quarterback. It's just like you can lose anyone else. You can't lose a quarterback. So they can't lose Riley Ferguson. After that – Yeah, so taking Riley out of the I actually the think – I mean, you could pick a defensive player and that would be – I, I mean, could, hell, it could be TJ Carter, honestly. Like you, you, you miss it. But I'll go. Um, I'll go Anthony Miller. I know they're deep at wide receiver, yeah, despite the depth there. Yeah. I know they're deep at wide receiver, but I think he makes a lot go. Like I, I, I think he's a like he was tremendous last year. You just look at what he did, and I do wonder if if he weren't there, 
it's nice to say that everyone could step up and be as good as Anthony Miller, but he was awesome. So I'm going to say Anthony Miller. The the thing about Anthony this year is last year people knew that he was good because they had seen him, you know, with Paxton, but I don't think they knew that he was as explosive as he showed that he was last year. So this year you're going to have a lot more just from a game planning standpoint, like opposing teams are going to have to factor in like, what are we going to do with Anthony Miller? And that's going to open up more opportunities everything for everybody. for everybody else. So yeah, if, if he's not there, um, I mean, I think that makes a big difference. Two guys on defense that I would mention though here, Jackson Dillon, I think, and that kind of is reflective not, of what the, say, I'm not counting on him. And see, that's reflective of what I think the defense could be if he's healthy and, and full go. I mean, that's kind of the, the if there, but I think if you have him coming off one edge and Jannard Avery coming off another edge, I mean, that makes a huge difference in terms of how it is last year it is amazing how often the the disparity between how often the memphis quarterback got hit and how often the other quarterback got hit mm-hmm. was stunning and because it felt like riley was hit all the time and the or other at least dude, scrambling and, and the other yeah. dude is scrambling running around and the other dude was never hit that could be huge i guess i'm not counting on him i I, I would love, like, he's my favorite story on the team. And I'm well known, established affection for Jackson Dillon, uh, two of my favorite pieces that I've written about Memphis football in the last two years, three years. But um, but I, I'm not counting on him. That's fair. The other guy that I would mention, Jonathan Cook. Right. I think just from a communication Holds standpoint and f- with all of those new guys in the secondary, I mean, he's the guy. He's the guy that kind of gets things organized, but he's also the guy that if somebody, you know, makes it through those first two levels like he's the guy that's in the back end he's their leading tackler last year like he's the guy that you're counting on to stop you know a big play from turning into a touchdown so i think those two guys but i I think riley and anthony are good picks as well and then finally uh memphis picked to win the aac west obviously and from the media predictions um they're expected to lose in the in the title game against usf but for memphis to win the aac so to win the league title make it to the title game win the title game blank will have to happen or they must blank what's the they gotta stop the run they gotta stop the run is if they if memphis can they they, that's it to me they will win if they can stop the run they will win that they'll go to the championship they'll go to the title game anyway i don't know that they'll but to me that's the key if they can figure it out on the on the defensive front i mean we talked about navy like you picked them to lose the navy and 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 to me the key with navy is everyone talks about Gap discipline, blah, blah. Like, I get that, right? I understand that, like those are talking about. But what you see is like when Michigan plays them or when, you know, they just, they're too big, strong, fast, and they just, all that Navy discipline doesn't matter in the face of physical superiority, ultimately is overwhelmed by physical superiority, right? And it's, you do need the discipline too, but it's a lot easier when you're blowing up stuff, right? And so, like they gotta, they gotta be Navy. They have to, you know, they gotta be Navy. And so, in order to be Navy, they like they're gonna have to stop the run. That's my, that's my key. Mine would be similar, and it's just win up front, right? Or win more frequently up front. And I think that goes for the offensive line Hell, and draw up front. Sure, <laughs> sure, right? Yeah, right. don't lose up front. Right. And and if your offensive line is doing that. The offense is going to put up points. If your defensive line is doing that, you're going to have a shot against teams like Navy, which which really, in terms of the AAC West, I mean, if you beat Navy, you're in, you're in I mean, not great shape, but that's that's going to be a big one um, if, if you can beat Navy. So those are the 10 questions. That's what we got this week. Um, thanks, as always, for tuning in. Remember, you can subscribe, iTunes, Google Play. Just search for the Tiger Football Podcast. 
Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Tom underscore Shad at Jeff underscore Calkins. Read us online at the Commercial Appeal. We will have one more podcast next week uh, before the opener. Um, get into ULM a little bit, more news and notes. For now, for Jeff, I'm Tom. Thanks as always for listening. This is the Commercial Appeal.